part three of a wonderful conversation with John Garcia Jr. Starting now on Locked On Longhorns. Our Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. John Garcia, Director of Football Recruiting from Sports Illustrated, joining me once again. John, it seemed as though when we talked for an hour on Thursday, we covered everything possible in college football. But as you know, as we know, anything can happen. And now it seems like a bunch has happened since we talked just a few days ago. Yeah, well, Texas had a huge uh, official visit weekend, and it included multiple players from Isidore Newman High School down in New Orleans. Of course, that's the high school of Arch Manning and Will Randall, who is the newest uh, Texas Longhorn verbal commitment, a tight end. And yes, he is a close friend of Arch Manning. So certainly some of the buzz we've been hearing for Texas is only going to be pushed up a notch with the news of Randall uh, committing to the Longhorns. It, it did seem like Texas had been the leader in the clubhouse for Randall for, for some time. So locking it in during the trip while Arch was there certainly doesn't hurt in that pursuit of Arch. Um, but obviously there's still a lot of questions out there. How soon may he make a decision? Will he take other visits? You know, there are no tangible trips set Right now, uh, as I said last week, I think Florida's got a little bit of buzz about trying to get him on for an unofficial visit. But in terms of official visits, we hear nothing on the Arch Manning front after his back-to-back-to-back weekends uh, on the trail, uh, seeing Texas, Alabama, and Georgia, respectively. So, yeah, we're, we're going to start to hear a lot more Texas buzz this week, I would assume, because uh, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And so we talk about Will Randall. And, and as you mentioned, you know, Texas finally got their uh, long sought after recruit from Isidore Newman in the form of Will Randall. Hopefully uh, we're doing one of these episodes and talking about them getting Will Randall's teammate and Arch Manning. But, you know, Will Randall reached his longtime dream. You know, it kind of sucks for him because the conversation surrounding his commitment is Arch Manning. Um, but at least. In some form or fashion, Texas is getting what in a football player? Outside of Arch Manning, what is Texas getting in Will Randall, the tight end? A really high-floor tight end prospect, a guy who certainly fits what Steve Sarkeesian wants to do at the position, meaning he's a guy that you could flex out. You could probably line him up as an H-back. You can maybe even allow him to go one-on-one -on -one, uh, with a linebacker in space. I think he's got a lot of modern traits at 6'4", 6'5", 230 pounds, or so and and i think on the field last year he kind of ascended there was a big time receiver prospect at isidore newman there was some off the field stuff uh, so he ended up transferring out and he was kind of the go-to guy for arch so I, I think there was a void going into 2022 and and for the better part of the season will randall helped uh, fill that void and he became the de facto you know go-to guy for arch manning so i think his progression in a short amount of time is something that that is to be noted and you know talking to the coaches uh down there will was the first guy they brought up i mean i think they assumed we all wanted to talk about arch and we certainly did but the first prospect coach stewart brought up in terms of hey who can really help their stock this spring when we were there 
first prospect they mentioned was Will Randall, who he was incredibly high on both on and off the field. So I think this is a high floor prospect who is kind of hitting his stride as a recruit uh, and as a tight end uh, in terms of his development. So I do think he's got room to fill out that frame and, and at least profile more like a balanced kind of classic or conventional tight end. But I think on the surface level, he's got a lot of modern traits, and we're going to see a lot more of that between him and Arch during the 2022 season because they're implementing an entirely new offense that is more conducive to what college programs like Texas are doing on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be a lot more up-tempo, a lot more no-huddle, a lot more spread, you know, conventional in terms of the pass-first nature of, of what they want to do. So I think we're going to see the best of Will Randall here going forward as a high schooler, and then obviously he'll transition to Texas soon thereafter. But but I, I, I like you said, it, it kind of sucks for him because it's always going to go back to Arch. But I think this is a kid that Texas would have been on independent of, of his quarterback at the high school level. So this is a strong get. This is a, 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 court, a tight end, excuse me, uh, who had a lot of people after him for some time. It's just that Texas captured his attention early and, and you know, Jeff Banks and company uh, helped to reel it in while they were on campus for an official visit. And I think the fact that they were hosting him for an official reemphasizes, hey, they're recruiting Will Randall for Will Randall. You don't bring in an official visitor just to, you know, potentially help with your pursuit of another. Uh, usually official visitors, you know, they're a limited number you can host. Uh, so when you are putting your literal money on the line in this case to, you know, buy the flights and the hotels and Randall's family and the dining and all that that comes with an official visit, you typically really want that prospect as well. So I'm glad you're allowing that time for Randall to to get his flowers because it's a nice commitment for Texas. Yeah. And and when you look at it in the week, they've had Spencer Shannon um, and Will Randall both commit. And now these are the first commits for for Jeff Banks as far as the tight ends under Sark's tenure. They didn't bring in a tight end in the 2022 class. Then they bring in Spencer Shannon and Will Randall. I think two tight ends that have a lot of potential, um, maybe higher floors, uh, but something, you know, still have a lot of room to grow. I think both of them do. I'm going to project out a little bit, um, let's say, you know, three to four years down the road. When you look at these two tight ends, 24-7 Sports Composite has them ranked as 34th and 39th in the country, respectively. So certainly not shabby by any means, but I wouldn't say they're at the top, either one of them at their positions, right? But you look at it this year, Texas was able to go grab a Jaleel Billingsley out of the transfer portal, who on three has ranked as, I believe, the fifth best tight end in the country. So if you look at the 2022 class, they didn't bring in a tight end at all. And then you look at the 2023 class and they bring in two three-star tight ends who maybe have a lot of room to grow. If I'm looking at the roster three, four years from now, I'm saying, okay, who is going to be that guy at the tight end position if we're relying on the recruiting classes? Is that cause for concern or with the transfer portal like we saw with Jaleel Billingsley, can you always just go shopping and maybe find you a tight end even if you don't have one on your roster? that you think you could trot out there and be the starter and be a dynamic part of Sark's offense? Because we know how important the tight end is to Sark's offense, if I'm making any sense. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great way to, to put it. Uh, yeah, I think the portals changed everything in, in terms of roster construction. You, you don't have to build recruiting classes on top of each other with two, I guess, longstanding of a plan. It could be a little bit more year to year because you do have the portal as a supplement where if, you know, somebody who was a starter gets hurt or maybe surprisingly hits the portal to leave your program, you can now 
replace him with a college experienced prospect and, and maybe even a great one. You know, I think we always, when the portal first, you know, I guess came out, we always thought it was kind of this avenue for players looking for more playing time to go, go find it. Well, now with NIL and different offenses and so much volatility with the coaching carousel, we're, we're seeing all conference and all American type players hitting the portal, looking for just a different opportunity, regardless of, of what where their priorities lie. So I do think that you can go a little bit more year to year. That said, uh, like you said, I, I think Shannon uh, and now Will Randall are both high floor tight ends. They come from excellent high school programs, very well coached. And both, again, I, I think in 2022, we're going to see the best because modern day had a ton of offensive weapons to where Shannon didn't really get, you know, the lion's share of the opportunity. And, and we already talked about it at Isidore Newman through the transitions that they've uh, gone under. So I do think uh, that both of these guys are going to have big 2022 seasons and, and they'll potentially up that ranking. But from a height, weight and base level, I think you're getting two complementary tight ends, Shannon a little bit more balanced, Randall a little bit more modern that could eventually feed off of each other if they were to develop at a similar pace uh, under Sarkeesian and, and Jeff Banks. So that's that's certainly a long-term you know, plan potentially. But yeah, year to year, uh, grouping those position players together isn't as important as it was even five years ago. That's a great point. And so, all right, so now for nine and a half minutes, we've talked tight ends, we've talked Will Randall, we've talked Spencer Shannon. All right, now we're going to get into the arch. And you talked a little bit about the arch manning at the beginning. Um, and, pop, you know, the implications of Will Randall committing to the University of Texas. So I won't necessarily get into that. We also talked about Arch uh, the last time you came on on Thursday. But when I look at Arch Manning, you know, we talk all the time about how his commitment to a school could bring so many prospects. And I don't think any school out of the top three that he's taking official visits to in Georgia, Alabama and Texas. I think Texas would benefit the most from his commitment in terms of bringing in other recruits i think georgia and alabama from the success they've had recently don't really need arch to bring in recruits and although texas doesn't need to bring in arch it would help a lot <laughs> you know I, I think that arch's decision to come to texas would convince a lot of people to come to texas so who are the recruits that you're looking at that possibly not wouldn't be package deals with arch manning but could say okay arch committed to texas i'm gonna come to the university of texas or maybe more likely to come to the university of texas because arch committed well, you certainly think of offensive recruits off the top of your head. Um, and the first name that popped into my head was was Jonte Cook, the wide receiver from the state of Texas, who has really it's felt like a Texas versus Texas A&M battle for a long time. I think Arch probably comes off the board before Jonte. And if it is Texas, I do think that that could help push things towards uh, the burnt orange as opposed uh, to, to the folks in College Station, because Jonte is kind of talked about, hey, I want to pair with one of these great quarterbacks. And he has become quite close with Arch Manning. I think they've taken at least two visits together. And at least one of those was to Texas uh, earlier this spring. Uh, so that's certainly something that Texas fans should keep an eye on. And it makes the most sense, right? The first position you would assume if a quarterback jumps in, a receiver makes the most sense to, to get that kind of immediate impact. Um, and then I think it stretches beyond it. I think uh, running backs would be a little bit more inclined. Maybe Cedric Baxter takes a closer look. Ruben Owens is is still out there. I know he committed to Louisville, but 
Uh, a lot of people are questioning that. Hey, is how solid is this verbal commitment? Ruben has already decommitted from one program, being Texas in the past. How solid is that Louisville commitment? Is he going to take other visits? Some questions we don't have answered right now, but you know uh, Texas is going to continue to recruit him. Um, and then you even wonder, hey, offensive line-wise, could, could that start to help? And then you start to think of defensive recruits that understand market value. Hey, you know, if I'm in this class with Arch Manning, it's going to pull – you know, my my clicks up, if if, if that makes sense, uh, just because, you know, you're you're there by association with the world's most famous high school recruit right now in any sport. I mean, we talk Arch Manning more than Bronny James, more than Dwayne Wade's kid, uh, more than all these great basketball players that have such a shorter path to the pros. Arch Manning's getting more headlines than those guys. So I think it's it's not hard uh, to assume that, hey, once he commits to one of these schools, a lot of other offensive recruits in particular are, are going to want to jump in. But the first name that popped into my head was was Jonte Cook, who's who's been kind of all over the place. Right. He took an official to Ole Miss. I think he was at Michigan this past weekend. Florida was involved at one point. Uh, we've heard Alabama in there. But but again, it feels like it's been a Texas versus Texas A&M battle um, for him, maybe as much as any prospect in this class. So uh, another emphasis point for Steve Sarkeesian and company to to make sure that they're on their P's and Q's if and when uh, they grab an elite quarterback to start pairing him with with wide receivers and other talent that frankly moves the needle. And I think both Manning, well, obviously Manning and, and Jonte Cook, he moves the needle as well. So sticking with Jonte Cook, because I, I think he's around 35th to 39th best prospect in the country, uh, according to 24-7 Sports. And I think he has real in a few years, you know, real number one receiver at the University of Texas type potential. Talk about what makes Jontae Cook so special. And is there maybe a player comp that you have for him? That's a great question. No, he's, he's an explosive inside out wide receiver type, the type that you could certainly uh, see somebody, you know, handing him the football on a jet sweep or a fly sweep as much as you can see him going over the top of a secondary for a long touchdown catch. He's got real twitch after the catch as well. So bubble screens, short slants catch and run uh, you know situations are kind of perfect for him and again you talk about a modern offense and a spread offense and what teams like Texas want to do and and Jonte Cook becomes even more valuable because we've seen the perception around wide receiver change you, you don't have to be you know 6-3 you don't have to look like Julio Jones to be a wide receiver one anymore you can be well under six foot if you've got uh, the, the juice as they say in the college game if you've got Tyreek Hill juice Jalen Waddle juice, uh, Elijah Moore juice. You you can really get going in the slot and and wreck a lot of defensive game plans. And I think Jonte has a lot of that within his game. I know when he's been on these visits, he's been getting comped to a lot of great slot receivers. Uh, at Ole Miss, he told me they said he was better than Elijah Moore, who's like wide receiver one for the New York Jets right now. So you you start hearing stuff like that, and you understand uh, why there's there's been so much up and down. Uh, in the recruitment of Cook in terms of the teams that that have been involved. He kind of reminds me of, of Vellis Jones. And I don't know that's not a super popular name, but uh, you watch the tape at USC and Tennessee, especially last year. And as a return man, as a slot receiver, and even as a gadget player who you could hand the ball off to, uh, Vellis Jones was one of the best players in the country with the ball in his hands. And then he followed it up with a sub 4-4-40 at the combine. And, and now he's, he's on an NFL roster after being drafted in the top 100 picks, you know, I could absolutely see that type of path 
for Jontae Cook. And, and you know, he's he's maybe got a bigger frame than Jones did at the same stage uh, coming out of Sarah Land High School in Alabama. So I think there's a lot to like about Jontae Cook. And there's a reason why, you know, these big name coaches are after him. Lane Kiffin, Jim Harbaugh, Steve Sarkeesian, Jimbo Fisher. I mean, those guys know ball at, at just about every level. And Cook, among the receivers remaining, especially when you project inside at the slot position, I mean, he may be the most coveted in the country. And you mentioned the the most interesting recruit in the 2023 class, most interesting recruit in the world, and Ruben Owens. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, first, a word from our sponsors at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So another player uh, that we may have thought was between Texas and Texas A&M was Ruben Owens. Um, I know he had took a couple visits to Michigan State, and Michigan State looked like they maybe had a chance. Um, and then he announces his OVs, and out of nowhere, TCU and Louisville come into play. And, you know, you're thinking like, OK, you know, maybe it's just fluff. Well, today we found out, at least right now, it's not fluff. <laughs> and he decides to commit to Louisville. And from a Texas standpoint, we know that Texas already pulled in Trey Wisner. But at the top of the running backs, they were looking at Cedric Baxter and Ruben Owens. So if Texas does now not get Cedric Baxter, if they don't get Cedric Baxter and they lose out on Ruben Owens, let's just assume he stays at Louisville. Will that be a disappointment for Sark in the 2023 recruiting class if they don't get Baxter or Owens? Yeah, I think optically it probably would. Um, you know, a long way till December when recruits can first sign that national letter of intent to truly lock in with one program. Uh, but yeah, I think that that was it was kind of just a well-known duo, right? I mean, there weren't weren't a lot of public targets for the Longhorns at running back. Uh, so when it's two super high profile guys like Owens and Baxter and you strike out. I do think it does something perceptionally, but that's one of those positions, JD. It's just like, there's always an emerger, right? I mean, there's uh, running backs that, you know, are, are building up towards a huge senior season. And that's one of those spots that late in the cycle, you can take a kind of a flyer on a guy who, who maybe hit a stride as a senior, as opposed to earlier in his prep career. I think recruiting has gotten to the point where, it's so covered day to day from a media and, and from a you know fan perspective that, yeah, I think there's there's a thought like, oh, well, if they don't get these two, then it's a bad class. I mean, but, that, but obviously that's not the case. I mean, Texas is going to I'll say it now. Texas is going to have a top 10 class before all is said and done in 2023 with or without, you know, one of those two elite backs. Now, again, they definitely want one of those two on board. If, if and if they could somehow get both, they would certainly say yes. Uh, to that as well. Um, but I do think perceptionally, it does take a small hit, uh, though it's very early. I mean, we're still in mid-June. There's still a long way to go for, for those guys. And again, for another a crop of backs to really emerge and, and stand out, whether it's during the summer on the camp trail or certainly in the fall uh, when, when the lights are brightest on Friday nights. I mean, there's there's a lot of late risers at every position that are going to pull scholarship offers and move up the board uh, compared to some others. So I do think it's it's not a time to panic or anything if you miss on them, but certainly it would do 
a little damage from a perceptional standpoint, but but certainly nothing to to freak out about too much. Two cornerbacks out of Texas that I think Texas needs to get at least one commitment from. You have JV and Tobiano and Malik Muhammad. I think two really talented players that Texas may be in good standing with both. Um, can you tell me where Texas may be on each one of their recruitments, or do you think Texas has, has a realistic chance to land one of uh, Muhammad or Tobiano? Yeah, Muhammad, both of them, actually. Muhammad and Tobiano have been real busy on the trail. We, we see them taking a bunch of trips. I think Muhammad was recently at Georgia. Toviano had a trip planned to Georgia and ended up uh, canceling that. So maybe that's good news uh, for the Longhorns in that hunt. But we know LSU, A&M, uh, a bunch of other schools, Alabama, are certainly in on, on him. And then with Muhammad, like you said, uh, another batch of visits that he's taken. I think Miami's next up for him. Uh, he's been real busy on, on the visit trail as well. And I think neither has really established that true level of competition like who's the primary threat to texas you know if i had to gamble i'd say georgia uh, for muhammad and maybe lsu for toviano but uh, it seems like each is, is still in the middle of big visit swings and and could have a decision later rather than sooner so that could obviously leave room and time for things to change in these recruitments but i think what, what you said about the running backs applies more to some defensive players right i mean we expect and we know Texas offensively, especially from a skill position perspective, is going to be great, right? I mean, in 2022, they should have one of the best offenses in the country. And recruiting-wise, it just feels easier for Sarkeesian and company to recruit that side of the ball. So a lot of the pressure has to do with, with the defensive side of the ball. So I do think that there is an onus, especially with Texans, to keep uh, some of those elite guys in state, especially when – maybe the primary competition isn't just AM and it's programs you know outside of the state you know those are the battles that you expect texas to to stay in and ultimately win more times than not all right john i'm get you out of here one last question so the last time that the university of texas had a top three recruiting class was 2019 they had a top three recruiting class in 2018 and 2019 for some context the 2019 top three class that they had was graded lower than the 2022 class they had last year, which was the number five recruiting class. Some more context, because I know some people are, are going to say, well, they had a top five recruiting class last year when I asked this question. The difference between one in Texas A&M, the number one ranked class, and the number five ranked class of Texas was 44 points based on the total grade of the recruiting class. The difference between three in Georgia and Texas was 29 points. So just the difference between number three with Georgia, their recruiting class, and number five with Texas, was 29 points. So there's a huge difference between having a top five recruiting class and having a top three recruiting class, as we can see by the points. That top three is a different echelon of recruits than the top five class. So what does Texas need to do to secure a top three class in the 2023 recruiting cycle since we know that that would put them in a different echelon than just having a top five class like they did last year? Yeah, I think when you look at the schools that have been able to Let's, let's be honest, the schools have been able to join Georgia and Alabama because it seems like one of those is going to have number one and then there's like a battle for number three, right? Because the other one's going to be number two. And, you know, to, to crash that party, especially like Texas A&M did last year for the number one class, you have to have one of those galvanizing out of region wins. And I think when Walter Nolan committed to Texas A&M, it was kind of the signaling of, oh man, they're about to go nuts on the recruiting trail. So I think you need that kind of 
unicorn recruit uh, that that really pushes everything together and makes other recruits say, hey, I've been on the fence about these two schools, but, you know, I, I see what they're building over there at Texas. And then it could start to snowball like it did for AM. So obviously Arch Manning would be that recruit for Texas or really for anybody uh, that was trying to, to jump up to that echelon of recruiting prowess because we expect, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, um, Notre Dame, this cycle is really firing on all cylinders. We expect those programs to be in contention. So if someone's going to rise up from that, the rest of the pack, it's going to take real momentum, um, I think, in the summertime to, to start to do that. And I think Texas could be positioning itself uh, for that, depending on the timeline uh, for Arch Manning. But look, it don't have to be in the summer. If Arch could commit on signing day and kids would probably make a phone call like, hey, let me let me see if Texas still wants to take me. And, and maybe I consider that a little bit more. Um, it, it's a business decision. It's a smart business decision at that. Uh, so if a, a big time defensive tackle could galvanize a program like Texas A&M, imagine what the world's most famous amateur athlete could do if he picks a school like Texas uh, in this class. So there's no doubt that he's the guy. If you want to talk about potentially a number one class or a top three class, it, it's got to be through Arch Manning. I don't really see another path there. Good stuff, as always, from John Garcia Jr. At this point, he's my honorary co-host here on Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, Longhorn Nation, hook them and pee.